Oh, that TV show we want to watch goes on in five minutes. America, stop rushing your life away just to catch a TV show. Get a Sony Betamax video recorder and automatically videotape that show while you're doing something else and watch it anytime you want. Sony Betamax, it could change your whole way of life. behind the times or are we just blissfully unaware where are we working when are we working and how much does keeping up with the advance of modern life have to do with how happy and successful we can be with our lives I'm reminded of the isolated tribes like the Sentinelese a tribe living on a tiny island off the coast of India they've never developed agriculture and they still practice hunting and gathering as we did 10,000 years ago and any attempt to contact them, either purposely or by accident, has been met with a rain of arrows and rocks toward the oncoming boats. It is quite literally the Neolithic Age version of Get Off My Lawn. But cut to today, 2017, and how frenetic and tied up in knots we are about being digitally transformed, socially enabled, marketing automated, data-driven, artificially intelligent, and customer experienced. Headlines abound about why you cannot survive without being digital, or socially savvy, or personalized, or A-B tested, or targeted, or automated, or account-based, or content blog, user-generated content conversed. We always look to what everybody else has or is using, and we ask ourselves, are we dumb, or are we just behind, or should we be blissfully unaware? Would it surprise you to know that two companies on the Fortune 10 list, that's right, the 10 biggest companies in the world, are not all that forward-leaning when it comes to technology? Berkshire Hathaway, the fourth biggest company on the Fortune 500, does have a website such as it is, but it looks like it came right out of 1996. And if you look at the HTML, the site was built using, wait for it, Microsoft Word. They don't blog. They have a Twitter account, but they've never used it. Warren Buffett, the leader of uh, Berkshire Hathaway, has a Twitter account, and he's tweeted all of nine times since starting it up four years ago. The other Fortune 10 company, Apple, yes, that Apple, they have a Twitter account, and they've had it since 2011, but they still haven't tweeted yet. And as you can see from the header image, though, they dutifully update the image when they put out new products, so it's not like they've forgotten about it. And they do have a Facebook page, but they don't post anything. Okay, but that's Berkshire Hathaway and Apple. The rest of us, well, well, would it surprise you to know that Trader Joe's, one of the fastest growing grocery stores here in the United States, they don't have a Facebook page or a Twitter account, but they do have a content marketing effort going through two major sections of their website. And yeah, there are at least two small businesses in my hometown of the megalopolis known as Los Angeles that I frequent almost weekly that are successful and have been for 30 years with no website, no blog, no social, no marketing automation, no CRM, no Google Analytics. When I asked them if they had email, one of them gave me, wait for it, an AOL account. And the other, after he told me that he didn't even have any idea what a website would even do for him, gave me his well account. And if you don't know the well and how retro cool it is to have a well email account, well, then you don't know internet history. It would be the equivalent of showing up to that tiny island in the Pacific and having one of the natives come out and, in perfect English, show you her tricked-out Swiss Army knife that she uses to fix her restored 65 Ford Mustang. 
see, here's the thing. All these folks, what I think the key is for all the Apples and the Berkshires and the Trader Joes and my two local entrepreneurs, they know the scale. They just don't measure themselves against it. What can we learn as we make our way through this next onslaught of new, bright, and shiny things that we may be tempted to measure ourselves against? And that's the theme of our show today. When should we be done? When should we be okay with being behind? And when should we step on the scale and blissfully disregard the results? And well, here I've gone and disregarded the time. It's time for me to get smart and pay attention to the clock. Let's spend the next hour feasting on information and figuring out that happy balance of being totally full and being just super happy that we're not even worried about what any of it needs. You ready to eat? Then let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 193 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, July 24th, 2017. And with me, as always, is my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and the guy who knows exactly when to play dumb when it comes to technology, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? You know, that might be my best thing. I know playing, exactly playing dumb. when to play dumb over just about anything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if there's something that really needs an answer... It right. needs to be done. I, I slowly fade away into the wallpaper. Are you are you one of those guys who like when it's you know when it's time to mop the floor or vacuum or do the dishes and you're like, how does this thing work? I don't really understand. And then somebody goes, you know, typically your wife will go, let, let me just sh- ah, get out of my way and does it for you. And you're like, sorry, I just don't. I don't know. I don't I, understand you know, all to, this fangled <laughs> technology. <laughs> to, to be honest, I have some of my best friends that are amazingly good at, at that, where they'll yeah. just totally, they just are not good at washing the dishes or whatever, run, running the washing machine, and that's it. They just don't have that, that duty anymore. But I, I don't, when I clean, like when it happens that I'm going to, let's say, clean the shower or dust I think I know whatever, what you're going to say here. I am all OCD yeah. all over it. Yep. I, I, like, I do the it, same thing. It is spick and span, and I will do whatever. I will, like, uh, I think, what was it? A couple days ago, Saturday morning. Um, it was cleaning morning. We were all cleaning, and my job was to clean the bathroom. Yeah. And and I spent six hours in that thing, and it is so <laughs> clean. And. and and my wife comes in and says, "Would you open a window?" Like she, she probably thought I was going to die from the fumes. That's it's so, so funny. That's exactly how there. I am too. When, <laughs> whenever I have to clean the kitchen, it's like, man, I just put on a hazmat suit and I go in there and I'm like, you know, I got Windex, I got cleaner, I got mm-hmm. tile cleaner, I got everything, and it smells like a chemical. But it's not. Factory. But I don't know. Are you like this? It's not all the time. So I don't have to. No. Like no. I, it's like sometimes the the shower. I don't want to like gross people up, but let's say the shower is is it's just horrid shape. It is so dirty. 
it something has to be done. Well, sure, I, I won't even notice it. Like until unless somebody, unless there's a specific point made and say, Did, "Have you seen the shower?" No, no, I look at well, oh my god, the- we got to do something about this. Like I will totally ignore that. And then when something has yeah. to be done, I'll get see, out well, my see, cape and my Superman. So, so I'm, 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 I'm in a similar situation, but because so, um, so my wife has been away for a couple of days, and my style, if you want to call it that, is to like the I, I'll eat and cook and stuff like that for a couple of days, and the kitchen will get dirty, right? And it'll by the time a couple of days goes by and a couple of meals or three or four meals have gone by, the kitchen's really dirty. And then I do my I put on my hazmat suit and I go in and I clean it. My wife, on the other hand, is like clean after every you know, not oh, even yeah. like during making the meal, she's cleaning up as as she goes there. And it drives her absolutely crazy when I don't clean up after you know the first thing. And so. We have very different styles of doing that. And so she'll come back. So I have taken to before she comes home from a trip, (laughs) making sure that I've like scrubbed the kitchen to make sure that it's all good. Because if she saw my two days, if she saw what it looked like in the interim, she'd be not happy about that. Yeah. I don't know what it is when, when my wife goes on vacation uh, or holiday or anything like that, before she comes home, the house is spick and span. Like I really work it and I got to, I got to dust and I get my checklist going and get everything. And it is so OCD. It's, it's off the hook. And even to the point where I'm like, let's say the kitchen is completely clean and I don't, and it's done that that has been checked off. I mean, I'll tell the kids, I'm like, kids, you're not eating this. (laughs) Exactly. We're going out to eat. You're going out to eat. If you eat, if you eat anything, you, you don't use a plate. Eat it over the sink. Right. Wash the sink out. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I I'm with you. I I have I I'm right there with you. Is exactly <laughs> it. I'll go. I go out to the night that my wife's coming home from a trip. I go out to eat that night because I'm clean the kitchen. It's like I'm not. There's no. There will not be a dish that comes out of that kitchen. That <laughs> maybe we maybe maybe we should just start a different podcast just for stupid other stuff. Because we only get the five minutes. I know some people hate it when we just talk about stupid stuff for five minutes. This is what I love talking about. Who wants to talk about marketing? Nobody. <laughs> well, especially with you. Especially with you these days. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. Yeah. Oh, some of us on. are still, um, you know, some of us hey. are still trying to, you know, pay rent. <laughs> oh, is, would you stop it? I uh, I will always be into to content marketing. Know, it is in my I soul, know. friend. I just don't want to talk about soul. it all the time. <laughs> I mean, come on. I have yes. a life. Okay. Uh, before we get started, yeah, we should probably talk. We about, should speak about some marketing. Yeah, we should probably do some promotion. We, we uh, should. Hey, you know what? Real simple. I'll keep this quick. We have six weeks to go until Content Marketing World, Cleveland, Ohio, September fifth to eighth. Oh, thank you to everyone who signed up. Last week, we had a huge uh, attendance registration week. Huge week last week. Oh, huge week last week. We're looking great. We're looking to hit our 4,000 delegates. Uh, We had over, I think, 72 countries last year represented. Uh, We'll definitely do that again. Make sure that you use coupon code PNR100 
to get an additional $100 off registration. Go to contentmarketingworld.com and register. We also, we talked about, we've got um, Kate Sanson from Coca-Cola who's speaking. We've got Linda Boff from General Electric who's speaking. Colson Whitehead, author of The Underground Railroad. We talked about Casey Neistat from, I know, last week, which was an, which really took off. A lot of people were really excited about that one. We've already locked in our closing keynote, which I can't tell you who it is yet, but you're going to flip. So we've got that going on, 14 concurrent tracks, and on and on and on. If you haven't signed up yet, I really don't know what your problem is. I mean, let's just put <laughs> right. it right there. Like, uh, maybe you're waiting uh, for you because you want to hold on to that money as long as possible. Well, now's the time that you have to give give up the money. But use PNR 100 to get the additional $100 off. We want to see you there. Contentmarketingworld.com. Really excited about it. Actually, Robert, you're coming in to Cleveland, Ohio next week, and uh, we're going to be recording uh, some parts, fun stuff. Yeah, parts of yeah, parts for the event. We're going to be doing our audio book for Killing Marketing. Lots that's of stuff right. going on because we're launching Killing Marketing, a content marketing world. So that's it. Yeah, and there will be wine, and that's that's of course what I heard. Of course, there yes. will be wine. Any book signing, book launch party with Robert Rose. You have there to will have be wine. wine. There'll be wine. You know what? There would be, be wine. We should friends. just call there it. There would be wine. We should call it the wine and tequila tour. Yeah. There, ooh, I like that. Isn't I that like good? That. We should do that. that. Absolutely. The wine and tequila tour. I like it. You can talk about all. You can do the speaking on all the marketing, marketing, blah, blah, blah speak, and I'll drink the wine and tequila. I think <laughs> this is going to work out fantastic. Or we could both drink <laughs> wine and tequila and both speak on marketing, and it makes it much more interesting. Oh. <laughs> uh, Shall we with the news All at some right. point? We shall to the news, absolutely. Yep. Um, and so uh, it is the dog days of summer, folks, but we found some good little nuggets um, in uh, in the news um, for this uh, mid-July time period. The first one comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal and a big hat tip here to Bethany Johnson. Um, at Thanny Bethany B., I, that's a odd little Twitter handle you've got there, Bethany, but um, but I like it. So hat tip to Bethany there for sending this along through the Twitter hashtag. And the headline here is Amazon is luring publishers to new social network by paying them to post. And yes, you heard that right. A new social network lured by Thank Amazon. Thank God. Thank God, yeah, Amazon. We need it. Absolutely. It opens up by saying Amazon is paying publishers and social media influencers to post to Spark, the new commerce-oriented social network the company launched on Tuesday. Accessed through Amazon's existing mobile apps, Spark is perhaps best described as a cross between uh, Facebook-owned Instagram and social bookmarking site Pinterest. The service encourages users to share images and videos and to follow other people's posts with content displayed in an Instagram-like feed. Spark users are also encouraged to tag products featured in their posts if they are available for sale via Amazon, and customers can easily tap through from Spark to purchase those products. Um, I have to tell you, before I get your take on this, Joe, is I tried it. I actually went, because it's only available, by the way, if you have a Prime membership. Okay. And... You um, spend about you spend money, right? You sp- you you have to spend a certain amount of money before you're going to see this in your in your mobile app. Okay, so I went like, and I what what is it? What is it? Is it good? It's pr- it's no, it's pretty lame. It's about as lame as you think it might be. Yeah. Um. It's you know it's it's I mean it's fine. It's there's certainly nothing wrong with the interface and there are images and there are you know and I tried it. I actually posted something. Um. You know, if you follow me on social media, you'll know that I love to post. You know, my Friday night cocktail kind of. Thing. 
everything. So I posted a picture of that cocktail that I made on Friday night just to see if they would automatically find it. And I tagged it a few different ways. And a few people shared it, I guess. I mean, you know, it didn't tag with any products um, automatically. And I didn't see really how to tag it with anything, you know. So I tried it out. I've since gotten a couple of followers um, on this thing. So who knows? I, I, I have, you know, if this is actually going to work or not, but it, you know, it's, maybe it's if not you get high like, on my list. I'll well, put maybe it that if way. you get to like 10 followers, then, then you can be sold on Craigslist. Maybe I'm going to be an Amazon spark influencer <laughs> is what I'm going to be, Joe. That's Look, what I, I really want to be. I, I read this twice cause I didn't understand <laughs> why Amazon, who right up there with one of the most respected companies in the world, in my opinion, and what Bezos has accomplished is phenomenal. Uh, but I don't get it. I don't. I mean, I get the whole thing. Like, first of all, you got to take a step back. Amazon Associates, their affiliate program, has been very successful for a long time. That's right. Basically, Amazon Associates is you, it's affiliate links, and if you're talking about a product or service that's available on Amazon, which is about anything today, you can link to it. They click on it, you get a little commission from it, and if you do that a lot, uh, you get a pretty large commission. And there are a number of publishers and bloggers and influencers out there that make significant revenue from Amazon through affiliate links. But I don't see, <laughs> I don't see anything in a value value to the audience. Um, this is, let's just, let's just say what this is. This is stupid. This is, this is a stupid idea. It's just, uh, also ran. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure I will not be wrong on this one. What they should have done, Robert, is they should just go out and buy Pinterest. Well, that's what, why can't they do that? I, well, they should. And perhaps this is a testing of the waters to see if there's a genuine interest there because they could totally just come in and, and, and buy But there Pinterest. already is an interest in Pinterest. This I is know. And there's when already I read a this, commerce like, interest in Pinterest. Well, did you, when you read this, did you not say, well, why, why didn't you just buy Pinterest? Just buy Pinterest. Yeah I, yeah, I don't. I don't understand because they could buy Pinterest for a rounding error in their revenue right now. Well, so. instead of the so the title of this article is Amazon lures publishers to new social network by paying them to post. It should have been Amazon uh, acquires Amazon Pinterest, launches Spark right. instead of buying Pinterest. Dumb move. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, they didn't check in with Joe to make sure that the headline, the Wall Street Journal, was a. Uh, putting up the optimal headline but no you're exa- exactly right i mean this is this that's what they should have done and and i th- you know t- the way i read this was this is a very i mean because you it, 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 honestly if you don't know about it you're not going to find this thing because it's buried in a it's the third level of a menu in the mobile app right so which nobody's going to and so the the number of people on this thing are going to be small. It's like it's kind of like giving everybody a fax machine, but not telling anybody what anybody's number is, right? So you're just <laughs> well, randomly sure sending could, out yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they could change that. I mean, that's that's not going to be the issue. the The issue is is that may, look, you're Amazon, and everything that you touch turns to gold. So I could absolutely see how you're in a boardroom, and this sounds like the best idea on the planet. Or maybe somebody said, hey, maybe we could have a social network that, that something like Google would create, like Google Plus or something. Maybe they wanted to do that. So let's create a, let's create a social network where nobody's there. Perfect. Amazon just created Spark. 
<laughs> Let's create a social network where nobody wants to go. Well, we're actually yeah. we're gonna. That's a, actually <laughs> we're talking about that in the next. Our next uh, news story is I know. almost like that. I don't want to 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 jump to that point, but anyway, I I could be wrong, but we're not. I yeah, no, it's, we're not wrong. It, it, we're not. It's this is this is it. it Here's the only here's the only caveat, the little asterisk that I'll add to this, you know, our our comments here. This could be an experiment where they're testing the waters to see if this kind of thing even resonates as a as a as a precursor to doing something larger like acquiring Pinterest, well, right? Okay. So that's a really good point. Maybe the the success of this is not to be a social network. Maybe it's just data, data gathering. Maybe it's that's something right. That's, that's now if my that's point. the case, right. I could absolutely see that. Hey, we're going to launch this, and we're going to pay people for content. And well, just to see if they to- can start automatically tagging things, right? If they can use visual, you know, like um, uh, uh, you know, the image recognition uh, software or yep. algorithms to look at images and automatically tag them, which you can see actually, like I went through a few posts on it and you can see like there was a picture of, you know, somebody's vacation photo and they're standing there and they're looking at their kids swimming in a, in a river below this, where they're standing and the bathing suit, you know, that the, um, that the woman is wearing standing there, you can click and you can see that they sell bikinis. And then if you click on the kids who are, you know, you can see that they're selling board shorts. And, and so you can click on those things. Now, they don't necessarily match. Like there was one that showed a pair of sunglasses and, you know, they were cool Ray-Ban sunglasses, but you clicked on the sunglasses and you were taken to something, you know, you were taken to some other pair of sunglasses that quite frankly weren't as cool. And so you could see how they could monetize that by letting people pay for linking through to automatically tagged products as a means of monetizing visual, you know, image-based commerce. That makes total sense when you look and see something like Pinterest. And the way to test that, the way to test that you've got the ability to do that, you know, is to do so on a beta level and sort of introduce something where a lot of Amazon consumers will go in and, you know, upload pictures and see if they can actually do it. And now that's, you know, that's a an interesting idea and we'll see if it's actually doing it or they could be um you know just trying to launch a another wannabe social network so it one of those two things is the is the answer did you know that uh snapchat is almost under 14 dollars now a share did you know this I, yeah no i do because i track it and and so yeah i've just it's just it, i don't know if anybody saw that coming <laughs> Under fourteen, yeah, yeah. I predict we it both going talked 10. about it's it. Going it's, the, it's going under ten. It's going under ten. It was the most obvious short of the century when it was yeah. twenty four dollars. You and I were both saying short that. Yeah, of course I didn't, but whatever. I'm not, not like I'm sour <laughs> over it. All right, I think you could still short it. You can I think still you short. Still, it. still I think plenty of way to go. It. Yeah, yeah, I think it's got that, you know, that from, cat's got a lot of room to bounce from that's, fourteen that's, to zero. There's a lot, lot of room there. They actually have more, more. It's they're they have more value than zero. Yeah. They do. I want to be positive. There you go. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our next story here. Um, And this one comes courtesy of Inc. 
Uh.com. And a big hat tip here to one of our listeners, Kim Owens, at Buzz Boulevard on the Twitter. Um, thank you, Kim, very much for this story. And the headline here is Google aims to reinvent how we discover the news. Um, and we're going to link to two sources here because the Inc.com is kind of a good article for showing you some context, but the more technical and more sort of robust uh, description of this new service comes courtesy of TechCrunch. So we'll link to both of those news sources in the in the show notes here. But the Inc. article opens up by saying, with many major platform businesses like Facebook and Twitter relying on feeds to reach their users, it's no surprise that Google wants to join in on the action. Google launched a new content feed this week, which aims to deliver users' content completely tailored around their tastes and behaviors. Unlike Facebook and Twitter, though, the feed is devoid of any and all social activity. It's strictly content handed directly to the user. While it sounds a little bare, Google is trying to capture more of its users' attention and keep them in touch with relevant content, ideally building fresh lifetime value. An individual's feed is based on their search history and browsing history in Google Chrome. Google will also collect the data it collects from its empire of online platforms, including Search, Gmail, Maps, YouTube, and Android, and use all that intelligence to better inform the feed's suggestion. This was this is an interesting move by them. What did you what did you think about this? Well, I do have a take on it, but yeah, uh, who is who gave us this link? Buzz Boulevard. That's yes. a song. That's a Green Day song, right? Uh, yeah, on the Buzz Boulevard of yeah. Broken yeah. Dreams. Is that it? No. Is that the exact song? No, I think that's okay. A, you have it slightly off. <laughs> <laughs> slightly off. You're yeah. so nice. Just yeah. slightly off. Just slightly off. Not all the way off. Just slightly lips. off. Although they should steal that song and they should do a mashup of they it. The Buzz Boulevard should. folks should do that. Uh, well, a couple things about this one. The first is when you can't build a social network, <laughs> you focus on what you're good at. Right. And, and Google is really, really good there at we go. taking data and putting yep. it together in a manner and selling against that And optimized content, yeah. Optimized content. Uh, so I like this. I like. I also like... You sort of can make a play for the, hey, uh, here's our answer to fake news. That's it. That's what I love about this, yeah. You don't have anybody pushing it. I love that. I mean, this. so what What was it, two episodes ago, Facebook's answer to fake fake news was to block those people that post over 50 times a day? That's right. This is much better. Block yes. people. Yep. <laughs> Just... Just, yeah, block just block all people, people full stop. Just yeah, block all exactly. people. Yeah, I like this. I think this is going to work. Um, I like, you know, it's interesting. So I have Apple News Feed that I look at on my phone, and, you know, you have to go through a little profile thing, and you have to check and click. Well, with this one, you don't have to. And they're sort of, you know, based on what you search for, they're trying to find other things that you might be interested in. So, you know, I'm assuming that, they know that I like science fiction books and all the stuff that I search for that they would, you know, show me, Hey, the preview for let's say ready player one, uh, is, you know, that would, I would see that in my news and that would be That's a right. good thing. Um, so I, I have nothing against this. I think this is brilliant. Uh, I, I think that if they do this well, this is sort of the opposite of what we just talked about. I think that if Google does this well, they can yet dominate, another category and that's the news i think it's maybe right. they already do i think I mean, maybe they already do if you yeah. think about it but in this well case, i think they i think they in large part do you know i think i think the you know the the google news stuff and 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 you know what you know their their sort of access into fresh content is 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 
you know, you can argue there's two, right? There's one is search and then the other is, you know, I think this is in direct reaction to ex- exactly what you just talked about, which is there is research, and I'm forgetting what the numbers are off the top of my head, but there's recent research that talks about how most people are getting news these days are through social media feeds, right? Through Facebook and through, you know, through Twitter and, and so on and so forth, where you see what your network is surfacing and you use that as a means of knowing and discovering what's important and going on in the world. And the challenge with that, as we've talked about, as the world has talked about, is that you tend to get into your sort of, you know, inside baseball and an echo chamber of, you know, of your friends. And so you don't find things that necessarily either disagree with your opinion and or are new outside of the things that you might, you know, that you might otherwise be interested in. This takes the person out of it, right? And brings in, you know, and they can try all kinds of things with the algorithm here to see, you know, things that you may not agree with, things that are, you know, the things that are, you know, opposite, you know, they can use sentiment analysis to bring in fresh perspectives or things that, you know, you may have no sort of inkling that you would like, but based on your behavior, this is kind of the things that you would like. I remember, um, you know, this is kind of the, the 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 difference between asking people what they want versus giving them ha- how you know what they really want based on their behavior, right? You know, so I just think it's a really interesting experiment, and I think this could be really interesting for as you start thinking about SEO and news and and how publishers, especially brand publishers, are looking at surfacing content. This could be a really interesting, you know, avenue for for how they get their content discovered. I I I like it all the way around. Well, it's interesting too, and we we cover it in in our book where you have Google going out to publishers and brands to have them create the content that they feel yeah. that they need so that their feeds are you know fit this type of thing. I mean, I don't know how far in the future we need to go with it, but I mean, I'm imagining, especially we talked about artificial intelligence last couple episodes with our friend uh, Paul Reitzer and where that's going. I mean, you're you're going to wake up and you're going to get your – here's your customized news feed and Google will create the content for you based on their own sources, other sources, and you're going to say, hey, here's, here's everything you need to know just for you. That's right. Um I mean, we're not that far away from that. So this is, I think, a, a precursor to that happening. By the way, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I just think it's that's going to happen. Whether yeah, what was it's a that? Thing, uh, right. That's like Total Recall when they're sitting at the kitchen table and they're seeing the news, and the news is, you know, absolutely customized just to you. Right. That's right. Um, so I think, yeah. I mean, it sounds it's like we're both on the like same page. Total Recall, in fact, and we're not going to know whether we're actually a spy that has been drugged and put it to a <laughs> or something else right yeah it's basically that's it we're we're <laughs> we're all living out total recall yes that's ex- it, yeah i'm yeah, the arnold schwarzenegger character in that movie just so you know um yeah i could see that <laughs> <laughs> sure sure you are robert that's that's wonderful news. <gasps> All right. We're moving on to our last story of the show here. And this one comes courtesy of Adweek. Um, and of course, because we talked about Amazon and Google, who's the first person we need to talk about that we haven't yet. And that, of course, is our friends at Facebook. And Facebook is now letting brands and media companies create their own groups 
within pages. I thought this was really interesting. Um, and as the Adweek article opens, it says Facebook is giving pages administrators the ability to create their own groups, potentially providing brands and media companies new ways to boost engagement within niche groups. The social network today announced that it's expanding globally what it's been testing in some markets for months. According to Facebook product manager Linda Zhang, I will I guess her pronunciation of her last name is, the feature will let brands create their own pages without having to rely on admins to set up groups from their own personal accounts. That would be welcome news to social media managers who want to have more privacy and separation from work and also give organizations the chance to create official groups that unwanted or unofficial third parties and fan clubs can't set up. Um, I thought this was interesting with a certain, certainly a cautionary tone here. What did you, what was your take on this? Well, yeah. So let's, let's give a, for instance, for instance, HBO could create a game of Thrones subgroup. Fan That's group, right. correct? That's official right. fan group. There's yeah. a lot of unofficial groups out there, but you can do of an course. official fan group. This would be very easy to do. You got to you got to have sub brands for all HBO properties underneath the HBO Facebook page. That's right. That kind of a thing. You could do one for your brands. You could do uh, customer service pages. You could do pages, and I think the article talks about if you have uh, like a, a CEO, um, a, an influencer in your company that wants their own page under that, you could do that as well. That's right. So I it sounds good. It sounds like it could be an opportunity. Um what's your caveat? My caveat is the same one that we would have made 5 years ago, which is if it sounds like you're getting something for free, you're getting going to get hosed at some point. Um, look, this is wonderful. The promise, here's my prediction on the promise as this starts to roll out. The promise will be aren't cause here's the thing I'm getting, I'm getting more value now on Facebook out of the groups that I belong to than just about anything else on Facebook. Right. You know, it's still, I still sure. check the public feed and it's fun and I see friends and I like the fact that their kids are going off to college and they're on vacation and they're taking cool pictures. And I love that. That's one of my favorite things about Facebook is sort of getting to see all my friends and what they're up to. But the real values from an interaction standpoint that I get are out of the groups that I belong to, right? So I, you know, I belong to a couple of fun movie things and I have a, there's a speakers group that I belong to and there's, you know, there's, and those, that's where I do a lot of engaging, right? On, and, and you get, because you're a member of a few groups, you get notified anytime the group is updated. And so it's way more common these days for me to get up, you know, that I see a push notification that someone has updated the group, you know, stuff rather than, you know, than any friend has updated Facebook. And so I go, oh, somebody's updated the speakers group, I'm going in and I'm checking it out, right? Because it's a community and you're basically, it's anytime there's a new post, you're getting notified. That's going away, folks. That won't, that won't last forever. And, no. and it can't last forever. Because, because there'll be too many start, Exactly. As this starts to scale, just understand that the same algorithm holds true and that as more and more and more and more groups and you become members of more and more and more groups, the algorithm, what the algorithm giveth, the algorithm taketh away. Yep. And so don't go crazy here. Don't. It's a really interesting, maybe valuable thing, but don't go – if I'm HBO, I'm not tomorrow going and setting up a private group for every single – one of my shows. That's just fools. That's a fool's errand, right there. Well, we because, have a we, yeah. we have an example that that just happened, right? Look at live video. Remember live video, and you get a yeah. notification, 
That's and then right. everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's great. I'm getting so many p- people watch my live video because everybody in your network was getting notified. Was getting a notification. Yeah. Uh, how long did that last? That's how right. Long? That's right. So That's exactly right. So rented land is rented land. And just know that. And, that I'm, I, and I'm not in the least bit saying don't play with it. Don't experiment with it. Don't go explore it. Please do. I certainly will be looking at that. But I think we just need to be very careful to not buy into the promise that, oh, you're having problem with organic reach? Just set up a bunch of private groups because now you'll, you know, now your members will get wonderful, you know, notifications, et cetera, et cetera. They will for a time. And then the algorithm will take that away and you'll be, you know, back to guess what? Boosting your posts within the niche groups to make sure that the niche groups are seeing every post that is made or the important ones. And then all of a sudden you're spending money to actually promote posts within your private groups and et cetera, et cetera. And it just, just this, you know, if you think Facebook is launching it because they care about you, <laughs> guess again. They, they're, they're saying, here's a new set of inventory we can sell against advertising. It's a new attribute that we can add against the cut against the audience to serve targeted advertising. And guess where that data is going? Guess who owns the relationship? And it's not you. Such a Debbie Downer. I know. I know. But I'm saying, go do it. It's interesting. Go explore it. Just be wary. Just just. Be this time. Let's not make the same mistake. I know we That's hear you I loud think. and clear. I'm just depressed. It just, it no, just no, don't be depressed, Joe. Well, look at this. It's, look at all Joe. these new things are being launched. Amazon's launching Spark, and Facebook's launching groups. And you know what? You're poo pooing all over. It. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. So okay. So let's be clear, right? Amazon is well. We poo pooed over the Spark thing because that's. But that could be a really interesting experiment <laughs> for when they'll buy Pinterest. So if you're looking, if you're a Pinterest investor, this might be a really interesting thing. The, you know, with Google reinventing the news, we loved that. We absolutely loved the Google thing. I was all for it. I'm all for. It. I think it's fantastic. And the Facebook thing, I think is neat. I think it's neat. I just don't want anybody to waste all their money and their budget setting up groups when it's it's ultimately going to go the same way that every part of the algorithm is gone. It's it's all cool technology just it just to the theme of the show. We should know when to be dumb, we should know when to let lag behind the group and we should know when to be blissfully unaware of all the changes that are happening around us. It's it's just I, it's just letting it, I gotta letting t- it flow, man. I got to tell you this very relevant. So I okay. got an email from somebody that said, "Joe, um we'd like you to do a social media workshop." <laughs> would you would you can you come and do a social media workshop i said i might not be the best person for it absolutely you would be we, we've seen your content marketing stuff we definitely want you to do it i said my advice is pretty much uh don't do it for a business yeah, right like, i'm pretty exactly. much i've gone the other way on that one where i've said you know tread lightly in, into social unless you've you know Unless you already have focused or honed your owned media practice, if you exactly. So uh, I'm probably not the best to ask, and we continue yeah. to be that way. So this is not a social media show, but. not at all. It's a content show, and and but the the point is is that as we're creating content, the channels that we can create content for, and where we're optimizing our reach for our consumers, will continually change, and we just need to be watchful. And really focused in on where we want to put our efforts because, you know, there's only so much budget, there's only so much time, and we just, you know, and there's always going to be new technology to, to you know, to sort of distract us. And so the, the, our public service to you is to help you focus. There we go. 
the more like, you know. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And <laughs> there totally you go. And he was totally very recall. focused. <laughs> very focused. Made we it. should talk about a sponsor. We yes. had the sponsor before, and they're back. That's oh, wonderful. Yes. Absolutely. About. We love the folks at Smartling. Uh, they have a great download today, and I'm going to talk <laughs> about it right now. So you can learn how leading brands are leveraging mobile app translation to capture bigger shares of a fast-growing international market. So basically, if you do any kind of international global marketing, this you want to pay attention here. Did you know global downloads across all app stores will increase 20% per year, reaching 300 wait, this what? 352 billion total downloads in 2021. First of all, 2021 is very far away. 352 billion, that's a big number. So I'm just going to say I'm already blown away by this. In today's fast-paced and global marketplace, <laughs> is that what the kids are calling <laughs> these days. <laughs> You're blown away. It's, I'm yeah, blown exactly. Away. Yeah. Uh, okay. In, right. in today's that's fast- lit. That number is lit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's on fleek, sorry. my friend. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah. gonna. We need to pause. I'll come back to the to the sponsor here for a second. So. The other day, I don't know what was going on. It's probably something that he's some show that he's watching. But my youngest son, every time you'd say anything to him, all he would respond with was <laughs> was yams. He just <laughs> yam. Every response, whether it was yes, no, maybe, I don't know. Everything was yams. <laughs> yeah, what does yam mean? What does just, yam mean? Does my it mean? Wife is said, it like don't Aloha ask him. that it means? No, it, I'm not. I at some point I'm going to ask him, but but for right, right now I'm not supposed to ask him what yams means. It's just the response to everything. It's like the universal response for anything you could possibly think of. It's like, it's like Aloha. You, yeah, it's right. like yeah. It's like how'd you do in that basketball game the other yams. day? Yams. Yams. <laughs> yeah. What what did what did you what did you feel about Google's new product? Yams. <laughs> everything right. isn't that I something like it. i don't That's know right. why well, this is how i feel about smartling is yams i feel yams. i, I yams, am yams, i am yams. all yammed up about smartling's uh <laughs> new download here so funny anyways in today's fast-paced and global marketplace using sophisticated translation software and services is one of the best ways for mobile app companies to distinguish themselves from the competition so you want to download this book it's called going global with mobile app context you've been doing any kind of mobile apps mobile app uh, design development if you have one you're going to want to download this ebook to discover why delivering a localized mobile experience matters to your business in this ebook you'll learn projections for mobile app growth and usage across the globe why localization delivers a competitive advantage for mobile app companies and how to simplify mobile app translation modification and distribution by the way if you want this to work especially for your u.s company you can't just use english for everything if you have a global audience that needs to get their information in other languages and it needs to be localized as well Go to cmi.media slash pnr193, cmi.media slash pnr193 for this great smart, SmartLink ebook, Glowing, Going Global with Mobile App Content. And I only have one, one word to say about that. Yams. Yams. It's really fantastic, though. I, I will tell you um, that that's a huge challenge right now for, for, for companies that are looking. And it's especially a challenge with content marketing, right? Looking at how do we start to take the content that we're creating, mobile or otherwise, and make sure that it's not only translated, but localized, because that 
culture challenge and the what's funny and what's political and all that stuff and thought leadership in various countries it can be very different so it's a it's a huge challenge and if you're dealing and i love the title by the way global and mobile that's a great title i wish i had thought of that but um yeah no if you say it yeah yeah, it rhymes if you say it if you say it a certain way kind of it's got a little play it's kind of like the tango for words yeah nice there you go (laughs) going going global with mobile <laughs> I'm sorry. You, I don't know why get, you keep. I don't know why you keep me around. Honestly, I, 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 I'm not quite sure either. But, um, <laughs> but we love you, and that's yeah. why we do it. Mm. All right, it is now for your favorite time of the show, folks. It is our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel dumb or makes us feel like we'd rather be blissfully unaware um and so um let's see you have this old marketing this oh my god shock of all shocks this i mean is hard to believe hard to believe so you're going first i am going first i have a very quick rave um i i for some reason uh, i've been a seth godin fan forever uh i don't know why prob- you need to search for a reason he's prob- fantastic probably because I mean, do you know he's been blogging since 2001 it's crazy every the day number of blog posts that he has on that and he's still by the way using TypePad. you talk about being oh, you know man. unaware of technology changes and all that kind of stuff he still to this day uses the exact <clears throat> same platform that he's used for 17 years so I want to just read. It's a very obviously most of his blog posts are really really short, uh, yeah. but this is meaningful and specifically for what um, you and I have been talking about in killing marketing. So this is called instead of easy numbers, and I'll of course put the link in the show notes. He says, "What is it that you hope to accomplish? Not what you hope to measure as a result of this social media strategy slash launch, but to actually change, create, or build. An easy but inaccurate measurement will only distract you." It might be easy to calibrate, arbitrary, and doable, but is that the purpose of your work? I know that there's a long history of a certain metric being a stand-in for what you really want, but perhaps that metric, even though it's tried, might not be true. If you and your team can agree on the goal, the real goal, they might be able to help you with your journey. And it goes on and on like that. And I and the last point is, but if you can see past the metrics to the results, it's possible to change the status quo. And the reason why this hit me really hard, Robert, was, of course, uh, you know, you and I have been through chapter after chapter of killing marketing. And I think what we're trying to do is to get for, to people to think about marketing in a different way. And because we're thinking about marketing in the same way we've always thought about it, in certain measurements, in certain va- vanity metrics, in doing the job every day the way that we've been doing it for 50 years, we've lost our way. And I love these kind of eye-opening um, ideas where we're, we're not thinking about, okay, well, how many leads do we need to get? Uh, you know, what, what about our lead scoring? Uh, what about all these other sentiment measures that are out there that we're looking at? And instead, we have to think about well, what, what do we need to create that is really going to do something amazing for our audience? What is that thing? What do we have to change? What do we have to create? What do we have to build? So I love these little things that are good reminders uh, to all of us that if I'm going into a, if I'm in marketing right now or I'm on, I'm have a new position in marketing, I'm not looking at keeping the status quo at all. I'm looking at dismantling and doing something completely different. Uh, even if that means I'll, even if that gets me into a little bit of corporate trouble. Yeah. Not that I want a lot of corporate right. troublemakers out there, but I think this is the time where you have to be a corporate troublemaker in marketing 
because you have to question the way that we're doing marketing and we're running our businesses and marketing's role in that. So that was my, my I love that. Rave. I love that. I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, obviously there's a reason we love it because it matches so well what we, you know, what we think about, what we teach, what we, you know, what we, the, the way we advise clients and what we stand for. It's, it's, it's really it. It's, but I, I love that. And I love the idea about really, you know, it's, it's one of the things that when we start talking about measurement is that we get lost in this, you know, we get lost in the cloud of KPIs and we don't focus in on actually affecting the goal. And, and when, you know, when, when, when the complaints come in that marketing isn't, you know, focused on serious business goals, and then we point to all these, you know, cloud-based KPIs that we can point to, everybody goes, well, so what? And it, that's the, you know, we can, you know, if we can sit down and agree on the goals, it's, it's, it's such an important piece of, of sort of aligning ourselves with the bigger strategy and the strategic challenges of the business. And it's, it's just couldn't be more, it couldn't be more true. So Mm -hmm. yeah, hats off. It's a good one. Nice job, Seth. Kudos. Yams. Yeah. That's yams. That, uh, that Seth kid, I think he's got a, he he might have a, he might have a career in this whole marketing (laughs) little Seth Godin. Um, Okay, so I have, I guess, what you would call a commentary. Um, it's not really a rant of sorts, although it may come across that way. Um, I subscribe. Do you know the Martech Advisor, the blog? Sure. Martech Absolutely. Advisor? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great one. I subscribe to it. And, and um, there was an article that came out that caught my eye, namely because it's a topic that I talk a lot about um, and have talked a lot about. And so, and of course we'll link to it in the, in the show notes, but the, the headline here, um, from the, from the article itself, um, is basically the, the CX tech integration challenge. And so without acronyms, that is the customer experience tech integration challenge, or really content and marketing stack as it, as it, you know, writ large. Um, and the, and the sub headline is we bought it all this software. Now, what the heck do we do with it? Um, and it's written by uh, a chief strategy officer and an agency, and and the, the 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 basic thrust of the article is that marketers now have more technology than ever. They're buying more technology. He uses the classic statistic of the Gartner prediction that the CMO is going to spend more on technology than the CIO, which I have issues with, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, so the article goes on, and it's fine. The article itself is is largely fine. There's, I, it, it, I'm I'm betting there's a draft here because basically the 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 what he promises at the top of the you know in the lead is that you know marketers have tremendous technology at their disposal yet struggle how to orchestrate it, and this is how agencies can help. And then he sort of stops. the The article really just stops when he starts to introduce the idea of how agencies can help. So he never really answers the question, but. The article itself is fine for introducing the the challenge. So we know that this is a challenge, right? This is the, the this is familiar ground for me. I've lived this challenge in all of my consulting and advisory work with marketers and technology since you know since I've really been a consultant. Um, and I've been on a rant about it uh, lately. I did a my webinar for for uh, content tech this year was on this topic. I've written a paper on this topic. It's in the latest workshop. You've heard me go on about marketing and technology and. And all of that. And so this idea that marketing and technology have struggled, right, with each other is certainly not a new idea. This is something that's been around for a while. And 
he mentions that that the POV, the point of view of the technology team and the marketing team, the IT team, that having issues with each other is another one that that, that resonate, resonates for me anyway. Um, you know, IT's job is quite frankly to mitigate the risk and the change and, and things they make. They want to make things slower and deliberate, and so that they scale right. Marketing's job is to change as quickly as possible. And so this sets up the argument that typically happens between marketing IT, which is, do we go for the homogenous, all-in-one, sweet enterprise marketing stack technology solution, or do we just buy a bunch of point solutions that handle individual things and set up individual things as our big marketing stack? And that is the fight and the debate that I see all the time. And I think it's a false choice. And that's what I get on a rant about is, is that that I believe it's a false choice. What I've outlined in the papers and the webinars that I've is that there is a more nuanced view to take here, that as we start setting the discussion around technology and our agency or our IT team, we can make we can ask questions about why the technology is going to be used and how the technology is going to be used, and we can put that into a layered discussion. And I won't belabor the layers here of how I like to layer this discussion, but it basically helps us make a decision about whether or not we should be buying the big, institutional, huge, detailed, implementation-heavy technology, or we should be buying an app out of the App Store. And that's the real question we should be asking here um, instead of the one that's being asked in this article is how do we align those things in a way that helps us do what we need to do on both sides? We can stand up a blog in a day. We should be able to stand up a blog in a day. If it takes us eight weeks to stand up a blog, that's just too long. It's just absolutely too long. But we also can't be in the business of where our data or CRM system that we buy that in an app store. In other, in other words, it, we can't. We need to be able to change as fast as we need to, but we also can't also be in a constant state of software implementation. That's what I find so many times with marketing teams these days is that they're in this constant state of software implementation. They're always instituting a new CMS, a new marketing automation system, a new CRM system, a new analytics system. It's always this new, big, huge enterprise technology thing that takes us away from creating great, amazing, wonderful experiences from our customer. Anyway, all of that is to say this author doesn't seem any way to take a side on one side or the other other than to basically say that IT departments probably don't have an inherent ability to make this choice. But the one thing I wanted to pick up on, and this is sort of, I guess, my commentary on the article if I have one, is that at the end he says basically agencies have a leading role to play in, this is I'm quoting now, agencies have a leading role to play in fusing the divisions between MarTech tools and services. And if here he means that most agencies have completely not gotten this right or that have overestimated their capabilities or that are completely screwing it up in many cases, I agree. Full stop. <laughs> agencies and implementers, they should absolutely have a role to play here, but they have not played a very good one thus far. Most agencies that I see come in and do one of two things. They either come in and they say, absolutely, yes, we can implement X technology, and then privately they go, how do you implement X technology? And they figure it out on the fly. Or they've got a favorite technology that they've implemented a million times, and they recommend that to the client based regardless of whether it's the right one for yep. them or not. And I will tell you, and I've just lived it, I've lived this for 17 years, a mediocre technology implemented really well following a thorough and rigorous strategy, it'll work fantastic for the business. 
and the best marketing technology in the world, implemented even averagely, will fail spectacularly within the first year of operation. Technology, getting it right, and getting the approach right is hard and it's complex, and we need to slow down and get it right if we're marketing teams. Anyway, I'm happy to send anybody the thinking on the webinar on this or just share it if anybody wants it. But this is the one, as Peter Griffin might say, really grinds my gears. And so anyway, end of commentary. We need to get out of technology um, hell here. So that's it. Well, I think the number of technology meetings that our listeners have been on is probably oh, that's crazy. They're just uh, pounding their heads against the wall trying to figure this whole thing out. And uh, we can't get out of our own way. And it's just, it is unfortunate. Right. And it's unfortunate, actually, for how many uh, content marketing strategies that are su- seriously delayed, if not stopped, halted altogether because the technology can't be chosen. So that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother yeah, one. That's, that's be like a, see, if this is the yam episode, it'd be like a sweet corn episode, maybe pumpkins. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have this whole marketing. All right. Which is, uh, I usually, you know, after your your rave, I'm usually like, I'm like done. I do my thing and I'm I'm coasting. Yeah. But now actually, you have to have actually work, work to do yeah. and the rest of this. Yeah. So I love this example uh, because I really believe some of the example, uh, some of the um, maybe the takeaways that we're going to be talking about here are, are things that every company can do, no matter what size. So my wife uh, turned me on to this Emily McDowell uh, article, and if and you're not familiar with Emily McDowell, correct? Robert? I am not. No, I'm not okay. familiar. No. So Emily, I wasn't either, but I've done a bunch of research on her today. Emily McDowell founded Emily McDowell Cards. And there's a backstory, and I'll put this in the show notes in an article on Slate.com. And the article is called, A Cancer Survivor Designs the Cards She Wishes She'd Received from Family and Friends. So this is Los Angeles-based designer Emily McDowell was diagnosed with stage 3 Hodgkin's lymphoma at age 24 and during nine months of chemo and radiation before going into remission. She says, the most difficult part of my illness wasn't losing my hair or being erroneously called sir by Starbucks baristas or sickness from chemo. My McDowell writes on her website, it was the loneliest and it was the loneliness and isolation I felt when many of my close friends and family members disappeared because they didn't know what to say or said the absolute wrong thing without realizing it. The 38 year old designer has been cancer free ever since, but the emotional impact of the experience lingered, inspiring her to design a newly launched series of empathy cards. Emotionally direct greeting cards that say the things she she wanted to hear when she was ill. Her card line has taken off. So that's that's part of the article. Now, here's my other research. So her card line has really taken off, Robert. And in, in doing some of the research around the company, emilymcdowell.com, here are a few of the takeaways. So, by the way, if you get a chance, check out the cards because they're um, they're very, very unique. And you could see how somebody with cancer who is somebody who's really sick would, would really um, get into the, to the personal nature of these cards. Mm. So first, Emily started with a blog, very simple blog. She didn't blog very often, but she blogged consistently when she started the company. Probably as honest as you can get in blog posts. She's very honest about what was going on with her sickness. She talks about her struggle. And she really built an audience of people going through the same issues that she was going through or that took an interest in her story. The calls to action for the blog were very simple. It just said, keep in touch, which I thought that was a nice touch. Just keep in touch. And it had an e-newsletter line. That was her e-newsletter. Second. 
Let's talk about focusing on a niche. Empathy cards specific for a particular group of people going through particular issues. You know, if only en- enterprises created their content like this. Emily and her company focused on an area where they could actually be the best in the world. She she really focused on a niche where certain people were going through certain issues, and she be she became she obviously knew that audience better than anyone else, and she still does know that audience better than anyone else. So she continues can you can continues to talk and work with her audience. Third point. Emily, from this, Emily has become an excellent keynote speaker. She speaks around the world. And she also recently published There Is No Good Card for This, is the name of the book, in January 2017. And from the success of her first line of empathy cards, she now has offers over 20 different uh, gift products to that same audience. So, Robert, I just love this story and what we can learn from it. And it's, I think, a very appropriate example of this old marketing. Not a big enterprise example, but if you just look at somebody, this is this is a founder of a company who just had an idea, and she just started to communicate uh, the pain points behind that idea. She built an audience. She came out with a product and service. Uh, that product or service took off. Then she diversified her platform a little bit more. Then she diversified her products. Uh, it's This is what a lot of media companies do out there. This is not a new strategy by any means. We've talked about it on the show, but a really good example, tangible example of what we've been talking about. So I love there it. you go. That's so fantastic. I, I love that. It's what you know. It's content ink, right? I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty much content ink, and I love the way that. She, I mean, it's so especially after she started to get the audience, um, you know, to start buying products from her. Then she, you know, she started doing the speaking. Then she, right. she, then she started, you know, then she wrote diversifying. The book. Yeah, then she yeah. really diversified the platform, and then she diversified the product groupings because she, you know, if somebody wants cards, well, they also want gift wrap, and they also want. Uh, plaques and and exactly. sign it and all that other stuff and it it's it really is something and i i think my wife has spent quite a bit of money on her site over the past couple of days so <laughs> that's a whole other thing there, so, we, there go. we go and, yeah. and yeah exactly well let's see i what are you doing this week i mean i know what you're doing next week you're entertaining me as i arrive in the lovely cleveland but what are you what's you up to this week uh this week i am you know content marketing world down we're we're actually trying to get in every you know make sure that everyone knows what's going on we're getting out there talking to companies about group rates so anybody that wants to bring three or four people we're getting them a discount code for that um so that's been you know now that the agenda is done and we get people selecting sessions my job is to get as many people as possible there so outside of you know you and i recording next week and getting ready for content marketing everything from now up to september 5th is all content marketing world related so um, i do have a couple speaking gigs gigs in between but those are those are those are very few and far between everything else is cmw so there you go and uh, and you sir my, I am staying home this week. I am uh, I'm working hard um, on my presentation. I'm working hard on the workshop and the master class. And yeah, I am I am a heads down writing machine right now, just uh, trying to write lots and lots of stuff, but mostly focused on the the new workshop for content marketing world, which of course will become the master class for 2017. And uh, yeah, and all of that. So I'm starting to put that together. You know, that's a that's an eight-hour presentation, so it, it takes a little it takes a little time to bake. So I'm putting all the ingredients together now, so that I can stick it in its little pressure cooker, slow cooker, and let that thing cook until uh, until September. So that's what I'm up to this week. Turn the little light bulbs on and 
Let that That's thing it. bake it's over the next bake, three, yeah, four little, weeks. A little yeah. easy bake oven. Exactly. <laughs> All right, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. And if you like this episode number 193 and all the yams that it produced, won't you leave us a kind review on iTunes? Maybe just leave us a review on iTunes that says yams. Give us give us four stars. Oh, I would yams. love that. Whoever does that, I'm going to give you two snaps up. <laughs> there that. we go. Yeah. And if you haven't yet, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. And when you leave us a review or if you subscribe... Won't you let us know? Hashtag us up on This Old Marketing um, on Twitter. We'd love to thank you personally for that. And, of course, story ideas, story ideas. And, folks, I will tell you one thing on story ideas. Please hashtag it with This Old Marketing. Some of you hit reply to either me or Joe, and that's really wonderful and loving having the conversation. And I love hearting it and all that kind of stuff. But it makes it really hard for me to go back at the end of the week without the hashtag. So um, if you can hashtag it up, that would be really super just awesome awesome um, hashtag us up or you can always send an email at this old marketing at contentinstitute.com all the links that we talked about today will be available in the show notes as we go to show uh, publish on monday night and of course in the show post in all of its replete technicolor glory at thisoldmarketing.com on saturdays until next week everybody remember it's your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week on this old marketing is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.